0: Hallelujah. God's good, isn't he? Amen. Well, being it be, being it be, (laughs) being that it is Resurrection Day, I think we should have a testimony of uh, the resurrection power of God. Amen? Does that sound good? Ricky, why don't you come on up here? Ricky has uh, called me this week and and, uh, shouted for a few minutes, and then uh, I think she was dancing for a few minutes, and then she was sharing a, a testimony with her, so this morning I said you have, to sh- you have to share it with everybody else also, amen? All right. Here you go. What? Well, it says every knee will bow. I mean... <laughs>
1: Okay, um, I don't even know where to start. I'm an old Lutheran, and (laughs) I still have some of those roots in me. And this year, I felt very strongly that that I wanted to observe Lent. And so I went before the Lord and I prayed quite a while and asked what I should do, how I should do it. And I felt impressed by the Holy Spirit to do a couple things. Um, Lord, anyway, and I want to say up front that this is all God's doing because I couldn't have done it myself in any way, shape, or form. I've never been able to. Uh, I felt that the Holy Spirit called me to fast from sugar and. The other part, it was a twofold thing. The other part is that I was uh, to start running, and I was to run uh, sixty minutes each day. Now, in that, I want to say I'm not out on the road running. <laughs> <laughs> i I'm a little too self-conscious about that, but I did start running in place. And I built up to going as far out in public as running on my deck. (laughs) (laughs) And I got the 60 minutes done. Um, I had a doctor appointment the other day, and this is what I was... (laughs) God is good. God is really good. In the past, a few years ago, I was diagnosed with an incurable liver disease. Um, I was diagnosed a few years ago with diabetes. Six months ago when I was at the doctor, he wanted to put me on blood pressure and cholesterol medicine. Uh, The blood test I had on Thursday (laughs) I um, um, I have lost a total of, now this is over time, in the last, since the last doctor's appointment, I've lost 20 pounds, but the total amount of weight gone is 65 pounds. Every single one of my numbers, including... including my diabetes number, my A1C. They're all normal. <laughs> <laughs> he gave me a report card with an A on it. <laughs> <laughs> I told him I wanted roses, but that didn't happen. <laughs> um, my blood pressure was below his numbers. My cholesterol. The bad had dropped all the way below his his acceptable number. The good one had gone up above. Everything. Everything. The liver came out, he said, squeaky clean, like nothing had ever been there. Every number was good. God, it, God did it. God enabled me because in the past, I've never been able to do it. And, and it's just so totally, totally a blessing from God. <sighs> anyway, I am healed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> awesome.
0: Hallelujah. Glory to God. You know, the interesting thing about that testimony is, yes, it is the glory of God, but it's also obedience, isn't it? There's things that he leads us to do. I mean, God, she had told me way back when, when the Lord was leading her to start doing some of those things, and she goes, you know, so it's part of it. Part of it is, is doing what God tells you to do. The other part is his anointing, his power. And, and we, we have a part to play in that. Even in this story, this, the story of, of the resurrection, the story of Easter, is obviously the, the center point of Christianity, you know, along with Christmas, obviously, because if he hadn't come, he couldn't have lived and then paid the price. But Easter being the very center point of this whole uh, uh, belief system, this whole religion, if you, you know, if you must, it's the center point because he did something in obedience to what the father told him to do Christianity is all about obedience it isn't it is about belief but it's more I believe about obedience because if you really believe something you'll do something about it if you really hold a truth to be evident then you'll act upon it and that's exactly what Jesus Christ did He didn't just believe that what God had told him to do, what his father had told him to do was true, but he also chose to pay the ultimate uh, sacrifice, the ultimate uh, expression of love by following through and doing what it was going to take to make it possible. So if it wasn't for Easter, obviously, today being Easter, we wouldn't be here today. If he hadn't been obedient, this wouldn't exist. We'd be sacrificing to some fertility god, represented by an animal that has lots of offspring many times a year, say like a hamster. And they'd be delivering magical eggs. People were laughing at my picture. I saw that. I was like, that's so perfect. Because, you know, it says that every knee shall bow, even the bunny exactly but instead we have at the center of our belief a man who chose to obey his heavenly father turn with me to Philippians chapter 2 Paul is writing to the Philippians and he's talking to them about obedience he says in your relationships with one another begin with verse 5 have the same mindset as Christ Jesus Who being in the very nature God. So Jesus Christ, yes, was a man. He was born of a woman, but at the exact same time, he is, he was, and is God. That's why the sacrifice, that's why what he did on the cross means something. If he had just been a man, then that would have proved that man could solve his own problems. But man can't solve his own problems. We can't solve our own problems. We can't pay for anything having to do with sin. Having to to make a a payment or a a sacrifice for eternity. God had to do that himself. But it says that he came in in the form of a man. But being the very nature God, he did not consider equality with God something to be used at the, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This was not an isolated instance in his life. This was not the first time that he had exercised humility. The cross was not the first time that he humbled himself and obeyed. It was, the, it was who he was. It's how, uh, as, you know, knowing he was God, he still lived his life in humility, honoring others above himself. I want to show you a couple of different places in the Bible where that happened. It was a lifelong practice for him that prepared him for that day. Even as a child, he learned humility and obedience which set him on the right course. Remember the, the instance at the temple? That's in Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 is usually read at Christmas time, But the end part of 2 is telling the story of when he was 12 years old. Beginning with verse 41. Every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends, and when, he did, when they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple court sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house being about my father's business? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. He knew at that time who he was. Even at the age of 12, he he knew by the scriptures who he was, where he had come from, and why he was there. And he knew that he was, about, he was to be about his father's business. What was his father's business? Teaching people about the kingdom. Explaining to people about the mysteries of God. And at 12 years old, that's exactly what he was doing. He was at, at the, the temple teaching the scribes and the Pharisees. At the age of 12, teaching the, the, the elders of the religion the truth of the word of God and it says they were all amazed oh my goodness where'd this kid come from where did he get this knowledge well he had a little insight being God I mean I suppose he had had kind of an upper hand in the situation but they're amazed so it wasn't that he was there just you know trying to figure out something asking a lot of questions he he was asking questions on purpose to make them think and to make them see the truth then he went down to, Jerusal- or down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. He was obedient to them, even though he was God. Even though he understood who he was, where he was going, and why he had to do what he was about to do in his life he still humbled himself to his parents because it was the right thing to do. Was it because they knew more than him? No. Was it because they understood his purpose better than he did? No. He humbled himself because it was the right thing to do. He humbled himself to honor them because that's what you're supposed to do. We're we're to honor our father and mother. We're to be obedient to them. We're to to lift them up, their their needs as a child growing up, and then even as uh, uh, an adult afterwards, we're we're still supposed to honor our parents. And Jesus was actually doing that as a child, knowing who he was, knowing that his real purpose was to be about the Father's business, still put his earthly parents in in high esteem. Now the interesting thing is, He didn't learn that from any stranger do you know that both of his parents showed those exact same qualities Matthew chapter 1 now we're going way back wait a second I thought thought we're talking about Easter this morning we can't understand the Easter story until we understand the birth and what happened even leading up to that to know who his parents were and why he had that ingrained in him, that, that honoring, that humility, and that obedience. Matthew chapter 1, beginning with verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to Mary to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he made it my, may had made he had in mind to divorce her. Quality. What did I say? I have about thirty thoughts going through my head all the same time. We'll catch up. I'm glad you guys. You guys. Let's read this responsively. You know we don't do that enough here quietly (laughs) Wow but after he had considered this an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said Joseph son of David do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is the Holy Spirit she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins there's the there's the Easter story at the beginning All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until he gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Joseph, who was an honorable man, who was a believing man he was a humble man knew according to the law that what his wife apparently at least in in what it looked like from the outside was in sin caught in sin and he was going to do the right thing you know he was going to do the 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 uh, the the appropriate thing according to the law and put his wife his wife away quietly he could have had her stoned but he was an honorable man he he loved her i believe and it says he was going to put her away quietly, and, and an angel came and said, No, don't do that. Do you know how much humility, humility it would take to marry a woman that was recognized by everybody around to not have been faithful? He had to, he had to humble himself. He, he had to say, You know what? I'm going to believe God rather than be- have to worry about whatever, or have to, you know, I'm going to have to deal with what everybody else says, but I'm going to believe God anyway. Remember when Jesus was, uh, was teaching and he was in his 30s, he was teaching around, and the, the Pharisees and the scribes got mad at him because they, he was starting to pull people away from them. And they, so they walked up to him one day and said, we know who you are and we know who your mother is. They had heard the stories. They had, they had done a little background check. You know, flinging dirt isn't a new uh, political thing tactic. We did a little research into you, Jesus, and we found out who your mother was. But according to the Word of God, Joseph humbled himself and obeyed God rather than being afraid of what man would say. A point that I, I believe that was not lost on Jesus at all. He didn't take what would look best for him or, or, or save face for him and walk that out. He, he, he did whatever God wanted him to do. Okay? I'll be his father. And I'll be Mary's husband. Joseph wasn't the only one. His mother was the same way. Luke chapter 1. Begin with verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy... verse 38, Mary answered, I am the Lord's servant. May your word be to me, or to me, be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. This is our heritage. This is our heritage of humility, obedience, and action. They not only heard the word, believed the word, but they put it into action. Joseph, Heard the word from the Lord that he was supposed to marry Mary anyway. And he didn't just believe it. He didn't just understand it and believe it. He acted on it. All right, let's get married. Mary not only heard the word, believed it, but she said, be it done unto me according to your word. She put it into action. She said, okay, Lord, I'm in. Now, did she know how much stigma would go with it, how much cultural pressure, how much problem it would cause in her family in, in, in all those years? Maybe, maybe not. But she agreed. She said, Lord, be it done unto me according to your will. Both of Jesus' parents showed him through the early parts of his life that it's not my will, it's your will be done. I'm sure it was taught to him as a young child as he grew up. Hebrews says that he learned humility by what he suffered. I'm sure he suffered all kinds of social and personal attacks, and yet continued to keep his eyes focused on the, the real purpose he was on the earth, and that was the cross. He knew. According to the word, according to the law, it says anyone who is hung upon a tree is cursed. It was a disgrace. It was the most horrible way to die. It was the most disgraceful way to die. And the Bible says that he looked at the cross, he scorned its shame. And he moved forward. He not only heard, he not only believed, but he acted upon that belief and was obedient to God. So what's expected of us today? That's our heritage. That's who we are. That's that's what we believe. That's the kind of belief system that we're hooked up with here. It's not just a belief system of, well, yeah, there's a God. Yes, there was a man named Jesus Christ. Yes, he died upon the cross. Historians say that, not just the Bible. There's historians who give... Eyewitness accounts that this is what happened. He was an amazing man. He, he lived on the earth. He, he taught for three years. He did miracles. We can't explain it. Non-believing historians of the day wrote these things down. And yes, he was crucified on a cross. And strangely, there's a bunch of, been a bunch of reports that are saying that he, three days later, the temple, the, the, the tomb was empty historical now the difference is what do you believe happened was it robbed by his disciples or did he actually raise from the dead forgiving all the sins of the world paying for them with one act of obedience if that's what you believe then what's expected of you first Peter Chapter 1, verse 13. says, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy, because I am holy. What's holy? What does that mean to be holy? What it means is to be completely, 100%, set apart for him. His. Not mine any longer, not my will, but his will done in my life. Whenever given the opportunity, whenever presented with the option, I choose him. Holy. Set apart given to him my whole life, my whole being, everything that I am, everything that I have, fully disregarding my will, my purpose, my, my thoughts of the way my, my life should work out. You know, if you look at Jesus' life, separate from Christianity, separate from this what we have believed and have grown up believing, Did his obedience work out for him? He was obedient for 33 years, did everything God God told him to do, preached the word, did everything. And what happened to him? He was killed. Mercilessly. On a cross. In natural eyes. It didn't work out for him very well, did it? But in spiritual eyes, Believing in what is unseen rather than what is seen. By faith, it says that everything was put under his feet. Because of that act of obedience, because he lived his life not for himself but for Jesus Christ, or for God, for the Father, everything was put under his feet. Every name, every knee shall bow because of what he did it did work out for him and praise God it worked out for us and our reward will be the same as Christ's. first Peter 5 6 says humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be alert and sober, and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings and the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while will him restore you or it will himself restore you and make you strong firm and steadfast to him be the power forever and ever amen many times when when people tell about the gospel tell about what Jesus did explain salvation to people, they leave out the whole suffering thing. They leave out the sacrifice part. They don't, they don't like to tell about, well, it doesn't mean everything's going to get better. Sorry. The part gets left out usually where it talks about you have to lay down your life and you may die for the, for the faith. You may die. You, have to may, you may have to give up everything for God. Peter didn't fully get that whole thing. When, when Jesus had even raised from the dead and, and Jesus is restoring Peter back into the, the twelve or into the eleven, he's saying, you know, you're, are you ready to suffer for me? Are you ready to die for me? Are you ready to give your life? Are you ready to do all these things? And Peter goes, what about him? What about John? Well, how come you're not telling this to John? How come he doesn't have to suffer for you? How co- That's what I like about Jesus. He didn't pull any punches. He told Peter the way it was going to be. Remember when Paul was called? And I think it was, was it Ananias, the one who came and prayed for him that the scales would fall off of his eyes. And he says, I need you to go pray for a man named Paul. He's waiting for you. And Ananias goes, I don't know if I want to do that. And God said to him, He says, You have to go. Because Paul needs to understand he's going to suffer for me. Christianity is worth living for. Jesus Christ is worth dying for. Even unto death. It's the uh, sermon title today even unto death yet he'll be rewarded the truth is we've been living our lives if you're if you're not a christian if you're not a believer if you've not given your life to jesus christ you've been living your life for yourself you've been doing things the way you want to you've been the boss You've been in charge. My will, not your will, be done. And look where it's gotten us. I know where it got me. My life was a mess. My life stunk. I had screwed it up pretty royally. And when I came to Jesus, I came to him basically with nothing. I had nothing to offer him. And he wanted me anyway. He wanted me anyway. That's amazing. We all have potential. But he also told me you're going to have to lay down everything. Because the one thing I did bring to the table was I, I brought pride. I brought my way of thinking, my desires, my wants. My, that's the way I've been living my life. I'm going to do this because I want to. And he said, you're going to have to lay that down. And you're going to have to let me be the Lord of your life. And that's probably one of the, pretty much the hardest thing about this whole walk. Is letting him be Lord. Letting him have the say. But that's exactly what we have to do. If you've never accepted Christ, if you've never laid down your life and said, "You know what, Lord? I don't know how this is going to work out for me, but I'm going to trust you." I'm not walking in with rose-colored glasses. I'm not expecting everything to completely turn around, everything to be absolutely perfect, everything to go my way from this day forward, because I can almost I can guarantee it's not. But I realize that without you, I have nothing. I'll take the deal. I'll take the trade. I accept what Jesus Christ did on the cross for me. I receive it. Because I have nothing else. On this Easter morning, what a, there isn't a better day. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of repentance if there's anything between you and God if there's any distance whatsoever I encourage you to lay down your will to lay down your pride and to let him lead it and guide it from here on out Could I have everybody stand please have the prayer partners come forward, those who pr- are praying with people this morning. This morning as we dismiss, the prayer partners are going to hang out up here. They're going to be ready. They're, they're willing to, ready and willing to pray with whoever, for whatever, whatever reason you'd want. This morning. But if you've never humbled yourself, and you've never laid down your will, and you've never received the free gift that Jesus Christ has for you, I encourage you to come up and just say to them, hey, why don't you you pray with me? I've got a couple of questions. They, They can answer it for you. They're ready. But they can pray with you and pray for you. You can do that right now, standing here right at this moment. You don't have to wait for that. You can say, you know what, God, I'm done. I give up. I quit. I accept what Jesus Christ did on the cross for me. I tell this story almost every time I share this message, this kind of message. I had a friend of mine who was laying in a ditch, dying. And the way he got saved was he said, Jesus, yes. Changed his life. It's not about a big, flowery, lengthy prayer and music and whatever else. It's about the attitude of your heart to say, you know what, Lord? I'm in. I need you. I repent. Father, thank you. Thank you for all that you've done for us, Lord. Thank you for life everlasting. And Lord, I thank you that that life doesn't just begin after we die. That eternal life can begin right now for for anyone who doesn't have it. And it continues even now for those of us who do. Thank you for life that's worth living. Thank you for purpose. Thank you, Lord, for you. Thank you for Jesus Christ. God, you're so good to us. And this morning, Lord, we worship you, and we adore you, and we lift up your name. And Lord, as we lift up your your name, Lord, we pray that all men come unto you. All women, all people are drawn unto you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want prayer from with these prayer partners, come forward. Otherwise, be blessed. Have a wonderful day. Uh, yes, we'll put take the chairs down. We'll see you next week. God bless. <laughs>